What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the OKC82 podcast. This is Brady Trantham. Uh, we will have the weekly show uh, tomorrow. We're recording this Tuesday at 5 o'clock in my apartment in Oklahoma City. So we're going to have a few podcasts this week uh, for you guys to listen to. We've got a lot of basketball news coming out uh, as of right now uh, from Adrian Wojnarowski. Everybody by now is still... Uh, very well aware that the NBA pretty much put out a target date for games to start July 31st, I believe. Um, but with time, with a few more days, we're going to get more and more information. I think one more thing before we get into the meat of this episode, I think Woj put out earlier that the potential Game 7 start date for the NBA Finals would be October 12th. So for anybody like me that has dreamt of a world where basketball plays over the summer, right up until college football season and NFL season starts, like you're getting your dream. So uh, getting your wishes coming true. So that's awesome. But we will talk about that probably more in depth uh, later in the week when we get Chisholm Holland in the house. Because today we got probably a more important topic to talk about. So I brought in my good friend Adam Francisco from the Swap Report, who has been on this podcast, I think, last year. Um, but you've been on with us at the franchise a handful of times uh, for the Franchise Thunder Insider Show, which hopefully once basketball season come, rolls back around, that show will roll back around, so we'll get you on the radio a lot more frequently. But, Adam, thanks for joining, man. Thanks for having me on, man. I am um, excited to talk to you on this topic today. I'm actually more excited to talk about basketball, but <laughs> you know, unfortunately we have to talk about this today, so I'm here. No, it's um, obviously everybody's more than well aware because if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably on social media. And if you're not listening to this podcast, I don't know what you're doing. But um, if you've been on social media, watch the news, not basically lived under a rock for the past week, um, you couldn't help but see the images of uh, peaceful demonstrations, protests against police brutality. Uh, against African Americans, other people, um, other minorities. Of course, uh, this goes back to. I mean, this is a part of American history, unfortunately. But it, this really uh, became big time news in the last week because of the uh, murder of George Floyd in Minneapolis uh, by a police officer who n- basically put his knee into the back of his neck and strangled him to death. Unfortunately, but um, Adam, you and I went to the peaceful demonstration, mm-hmm. uh, I believe it was set up by the black lives matter chapter of Oklahoma city, uh, over on Northeast 36 and Kelly Avenue. And I'll, I'll just say this, um, right off the bat, because I know there are probably some pe- some people that are kind of like me in terms of like, I'd like to go to a peaceful protest or something like that, but you're kind of on the fence just because, well, that's a lot of people in one area. And sometimes these these things can result in some violence, as we've seen uh, throughout the country over the past week. Um, it's just something as simple as, like, whether you're at a concert, at a sporting event, there's just a ton of people. All it takes is one person to ruin it for everybody. And I'll just say this. I was there with you on Sunday for a few hours, and I didn't feel, you know, it just felt like I was in a crowd, you know, like the old days. Definitely. I tried not to think about the pandemic that was going on around at the time because yeah. these are <laughs> these are also important issues that need to be talked about. But uh, uh, first of all, I'm going to just let you have the floor and uh, just your experiences on Sunday and then basically your experiences following along with the rest of everybody on Twitter this past week. Well, first of all, the, the, the thing I was most worried about from – that protest on Sunday afternoon was COVID. Um, I was actually paranoid. <laughs> you know, the about, virus is like, hey, this is a this is a trap, right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> what are they all doing? Like, I mean, like, what's going on with the virus? Is it a halftime? Like, yeah. what? Like, virus what is like they've got a vaccine? Yeah. Like, what, <laughs> what has happened to the virus? Because people have been out in the masses. Like, COVID nineteen is not a thing. But um, on a more serious note, that protest was probably the most peaceful protest I've been to. Uh, I've been to the Jesus probably five now. Um, a few at OU. My cousin Miles um, Francisco went to OU. He was a big activist there. He spoke at the protest on Sunday. And, you know, I've been a part of so many of them um, from a reporter side, and I've kind of just observed things. I've never really been a person in the protest, just actively participating in the protest. Um, but I've been there from a journalistic side and kind of like observing everything. And this was by far 
just the most peaceful protest I've been to. Um, they had, I don't know what, eight, eight speakers. One yeah, lady, pretty much um, just a speaker every. Yeah, like, like there wasn't every like five downtime, minutes, maybe. Basically. Yeah, there was no downtime. There was probably more than eight speakers, and people were just out there chanting um, when it was warranted, uh, listening to the speakers when it was warranted, um, and when it was over, people left. Now, I will say it it wasn't that simple. About <laughs> halfway through, <laughs> about halfway through, I'd say what three thirty ish, about. 40 50 percent of the crowd decided to march to the capitol yeah um i was sitting on top of my dad's car actually interesting story we were looking for my parents who told me to meet them they said they were in the crowd i did not know that the car i didn't park their car they parked the car literally right by the stage right behind the stage probably 20 30 feet behind the stage yeah and the crowd formed around them so i see this and everybody this, around them outside is melting but your parents were smart and had the ac blasting in the car it's like ah this yeah, is nice this is how you car. protest yeah i have my niece in the car too and just just chilling um <laughs> but i saw a little gold jeep literally peeking up the top of everybody and i was like oh well there's my parents car so i decided to sit on top of the hot Wait, can I cuss? Oh, yeah, you can say okay, fuck, sorry, shit, sorry. whatever you want to say. I was sitting on top of the hot-ass car, <laughs> <laughs> um, dying while covering it. And um, I noticed about halfway through, yeah, I saw people starting to leave. And um, half the crowd took a route, I think, south down Kelly. And they turned um, they turned right on 23rd Street and headed straight um, west to the Capitol. So mm-hmm. it was a pretty... Um, interesting thing it, it was it was quite interesting but one thing i noticed and one thing that um i noticed some of the news stations really uh, pointed out was the fact that it was such a peaceful protest during the day they made a um, yeah most of them there were a couple that kind of instigating some things but um oh yeah <laughs> yeah yeah it's kind of like they were looking for trouble instead of just reporting you know yeah just reporting the damn news but um most of them did a really good job of um, designating who was who and um, showing the peaceful protest and showing the people that were walking to the Capitol and showing the people that were walking to the police department. And that's kind of where my disappointment came in. We, um, well, Brady left after um, the first uh, protest, like literally right when Yeah, it ended. I was there until about four or 15 right when you like, left it ended though like yeah right well when like you i i had originally that day i had plans with my parents and i knew that people were marching to the capitol but i thought okay i can still kind of get around and get back to my apartments my apartment's right off 23rd so i had to kind of try to cut across cut them but to- i had to take a big detour but every time i try to get around there were just more thousands of people walking and then i'll admit i got a little fomo yeah. And I just parked my car and walked to the Capitol kind of with like about halfway uh, with everybody else. And it was a fun experience. And I didn't know that okay. we got we got to the Capitol and it was just kind of a lot of the same at 36 and Kelly is um, people listening. You know, God forbid people listen yeah. and uh, good messages throughout. I did see that. Uh, I don't know if you saw that video of some some dude like spray painted something on the uh, yeah. Capitol and then people ran over and. Um, I saw some people like spitting, <laughs> like to try to wipe it try off with their shirts because like they understand like this is like we've been talking about. This is a peaceful demonstration. This is how you get the message across because even an hour after I had left and I'd already got back home to my parents in Norman and they were watching it on the news. Um, that's when the riot patrol tanks had rolled up and people kind of got, I would imagine got on edge. I would have been on edge yeah. if I were there. And then 10 minutes later, the riot police take a knee in solidarity with the protesters. And again, it just hammers home. Like this was all for a good cause. This was all, everybody was on the right side of this issue. And then the night comes, like yeah, the sun goes down and then, go. some, and then some foolishness kind of takes place. Well, you kind of saw the transition from each spot. There were basically three locations <laughs> for this, for Sunday's events. Basically there was the first one on Northeast 36 and Kelly that was extremely peaceful, literally the perfect protest. Then um, everybody migrated to the Capitol. Um, that was still peaceful, but you could see kind of a slight switch. You, you kind of see the looters and the rioters kind of getting, you know, amped up and stuff. And people that weren't even at the protest just meeting at the Capitol. 
um, there were a, like a group of bikers that that seemed to be kind of uh, they had some alterial. Uh, Hell, I, I walked. There. I walked by some. Was, I walked by a group of people that um, they had like not current, but like old school military uniform uh-huh. BDUs on. Um, they had war helmets on, mm-hmm. and this guy was like strapped with an AK forty seven. And at see, first, like I saw, like it was necessary. It was a group of like four white guys, and at first, my brain was like, "Are these like, are these some type of militia group that are protesting against the protesters? Yeah. Like, is this Second Amendment stuff?" Yeah, and and then out of the car pops uh, a black woman mm-hmm. in the same outfit. And as I'm, cause oh I had to get to my car. So I had to pass them a little bit uh-huh. and I overheard them talking to somebody and they were saying that they were like almost like kind of black Panther ish. And mm-hmm. I'm like, there's like four, four of y'all white, like four, four white people being black. Panthers. What's oh, I, I was just thoroughly confused. I mean, I'm here for the diversity just, in the black Panther yeah, party if they're going to do that. But there were <laughs> just the, the whole point of this is just, there are so many people. Yeah. Ninety eight percent of them all were there for the correct reason in exactly. solidarity. It's just always just like we I said, like it just takes one person to ruin the fun for everybody. Exactly. In my story that I um posted kind of recapping everything, I talked about how it was like a eighty twenty split at the Capitol. Yeah. Um I noticed um, you know, eighty percent being people that were there just for Black Lives Matter and for this uh protest and then twenty that were really just there for a photo ops, B writing, C looting, B to just be included, or D to just be included. Um, and then of of those twenty percent, I'd say fifteen went to the police station. And pretty much, I'm not gonna say everybody, but while it was eighty twenty at the Capitol, I would say it was twenty eighty at the police station. Twenty percent being those that were just there still for the cause and 80% people that were just there to just, just, just BS. Yeah. Um, and, um, as far as this is kind of a little bit off topic, not really, cause you just mentioned it, but as far as the police kneeling, I, I have a take on this. Um, and I don't want you ready to take it the wrong way because a lot of people saw it as a great gesture, but to me, it just, it still didn't feel genuine. It didn't feel genuine because they were kneeling while strapped with guns and yeah. armor and all no, that, they, like they look intimidating. Like it, it's such it looked a fine very line. like if they would have come out in in just their uniform, no guns, nothing, and did that, then I'd have a little bit more respect for what they did. But just seeing that they were literally armed more than they would normally be, even if they were on duty, kind of was just like, okay, yeah, they're kneeling. But if one person pops off, they're gonna probably shoot that person. Like it, yeah. you know. It, it, Stuff's going to go south really quickly. Yeah. So that kind of rubbed me the wrong, uh, wrong way. I know that most of their intentions are good. That's that's another thing I want to hammer home to people. Um, and um, for people that, you know, keep saying, you know, screw the police, screw not being the word they use. Um, <laughs> most cops are good. Uh, I'll be the first to say most policemen are good. I'd say 90% of cops have great intentions. Nine out of 10 cops have great intentions. It's just that 10% that we see every day um, that are the problem. But it's a problem because you're pol- you're a policeman. Like, yes, there's good and bad everywhere. There's bad teachers. There's bad everything. But when it comes to people's lives, we need everybody to be on board. Um, yeah. there, there doesn't need to be a 10% of cops that um, have different intentions, you know? Mm. So... That's kind of my take on that. Yeah, I mean, you hear that with the whole bad apple talk. Like, it's yeah. not all cops. It's just a few bad apples. But it that's kind of similar to the whole Black Lives Matter. Well, all lives matter. It's like, yes, every, oh, everybody everybody knows all lives matter. All lives but that, matter. But that's, that's not the point of the message here. All lives matter <laughs> won't matter until Black Lives Matter. <laughs> no, um, like the whole bad apples talk, It's it's not – the problem being that there are a few bad apples. The mm-hmm. problem is the system allows it to happen with little to no problem. Mm-hmm. And if these things aren't caught on camera and Adam, we see this even in sports. Mm-hmm. If players yep. are accused of, you know, domestic violence or beating their girlfriends or beating their wives and they're not convicted. And often we know that these, these, those types of crimes are rarely ever convicted because of a multitude of reasons. Yeah. But by God, if there's a video, that's when they get in trouble. If yeah. there's no video, 
the NFL, the agents, the teams do all that they can to keep their players on the field. And some of it, yes, is rooted in, well, innocent until proven guilty. That's the whole point of the justice Mm -hmm. system. Um, The other side of it is where the bad intentions come from. But the bad apple aspect in terms of police officers, like, make no mistake, there's always going to be bad people no matter what. The problem that I think we're all we're all trying to um, like get across is there's a problem. Like there, there are going to be bad people. What are we going to do about it to make sure that it's further stigmatized and doesn't happen in broad daylight on camera camera. in a busy street in a big city like Minneapolis. And it's not like it, it it not being an accident. I mean, it's, yeah, that was one of the most obvious of situations that I've seen as far as like, don't take this the wrong way. It's it's almost comical how awful like in blatant. It's like you just, you might as well have just taken a gun out and shot someone point blank in broad daylight. Yeah. It's, it was that obvious. It was that obvious. Cause I mean, even after George passed, um, the officer was just sitting there. Like he didn't know what the hell was going on with his knee on his neck. Still like that, that's what got me the most was, after the man was dead for like a couple of minutes, he was still just sitting there on his neck. And what makes it even worse are the cops that were there watching it happen, watching the guy die, not doing anything to, to get their fellow police officer off of his neck. That, Hmm. that, that's what really threw me off. And the fact that those cops have not been arrested, if I'm correct. If the I'm ones correct, who those... were around him, I, yeah. I'm not sure. I They've been to, fired. I asked that question yesterday They've out been loud. fired as far as I know. Yeah, they've, they've been, been fired. They were immediately, everyone was immediately fired. But they've not been arrested. I'd imagine that those arrests would probably come, you know, later. And that, mm-hmm. that's the other part of this whole deal is I understand people's immediate desire for, for like, retribution or yeah. justice or vengeance, whatever mm-hmm. it may be. Um, unfortunately, like the justice system is what it is. The judicial system is what it is. And there is a process that has to be respected. That's why it took them, I guess, three or four days to arrest the guy. Cause I don't, I don't see what, how much of an investigation there needs to be when it's all caught on camera, Mm -hmm. but it still needs to play out because that's just the way it is apparently. But, um, I guess one more thing on the writers before we move on, Adam or the riot police, excuse me. Like I, I get where you're coming from, and that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, I would just say because I think when people see these issues, when they see protests, and they hear blanket statements mm-hmm. like "f the police," mm-hmm. I understand why someone's first reaction, if they're a police officer themselves or they have a family member that's a police officer, is to immediately be, get defensive. Mm-hmm. And I would just stress. It took me it took me a few years to understand that when uh, black protesters would talk about white violence or white oppression, mm-hmm. since I'm white, I think my first reaction was to be defensive of like I haven't done anything, but it's it's not about me. Yeah, it's like if you're not a part of the problem, then you're not a part of the problem. Exactly, that's so, what I was about to say. So yeah, police officers for the most part, we all know that they respect what their position is to do is to protect their communities and not be aggressors, but be defenders mm-hmm. and hopefully those police off police officers out there when they hear us talk about these issues um you're not immediately defensive because we know that you're not the problem here it's exactly it's the one that's, person that ruins it for you that's how i feel i mean when you hear that don't just just if you're not the problem if you know you're not the problem if you know your dad or your uncle or your husband or your wife is not the problem then it's, it just doesn't apply to you. Yeah, you're the, just, there's the whole no F, the police thing that just it just doesn't apply to you because you know that you're a good cop or your dad's a good copper, so on so on. Um, that is strictly for the cops that have um, different motives. But you know, real quick before we yeah. switch to the next um, topic, you know, this is this is such a sensitive topic for me specifically because it well not just for me specifically but for black folk because it's you know it's so deeply rooted man it's like my entire life my entire life i've been raised to to not resent the cops but be concerned be concerned yes um i have i I went to bishop mcginnis high school for two three years um 
I also went to Northeast Academy. So I kind of have gotten both sides of things. Yeah. Um, and and um, my thing is, if I have white friends that told me that, like, they trust the cops. And when we're in certain situations, when we're at parties and stuff like that, and the cop comes, I'm running, I'm, I'm getting in the car, I'm freaking out. Yeah. And they're just like, like, there's a sense of calmness. Like, I think everybody at a party when you know you're doing wrong, everybody runs, but there's still a sense of calmness between me and between my white friends. And it's like reassurance that like, I know like at the end of the day, everything's going to be okay for me. For me, I don't, I'm not sure of that. Like, I'm not sure if I run or what's going to happen. It's just my entire life, my entire life, literally just getting pulled over for a basic speeding ticket. I have like a set of rules that I know, like things I need to do when I get pulled over roll my window down, hands on the wheel no matter what, before the cop gets out the car, you better hurry up, get your wallet out of your pocket, get your ID out, have it on the steering wheel with your hands on the uh, wheel, hand it to them, put your hands back on the wheel, always have your hand. I mean, yeah. there's just so many different rules that you, as a black person or Mexican even, you have to you, you you have to just have programmed in your mind. And, you know, I don't know about you, Brady. I, um, I don't know if that's something that you had to worry about growing up but you know that's something that i was taught from the time i could walk to now yeah well i mean like like i told you before we recorded and um i'm sure some listeners have been listening to okc82 since the beginning i've yeah. mentioned this a handful of times but like i'll already admit like i have a really weird unique upbringing that not everybody gets to experience like i was a military brat so i grew up around a bunch of black kids and hispanic kids and Growing up as a history nerd, I was a history nerd from the time I could remember because I used to watch Indiana Jones all the time. So, <laughs> um, but I always knew of like slavery and racism and civil rights during the 50s and the 60s, of course. I always was aware of it, but I never really saw like my my black friends as this is Damone, my black friend. This is Sean, my black friend. Was, no, these are just my friends. It wasn't until I moved to Norman after my dad retired and I went to a predominantly white school mm. that it was really apparent to me that not everybody grew up with the same parenting value system, whatever that I was. And I think a lot of that, what you're talking about, just that overthinking uh, psychologically that a black person is kind of brought up in whenever a cop is brought into the situation, juxtaposed to like a white person. The way I was raised was just to always, all right, respect authority. Um, if, if you're confronted with them to respect cops mm-hmm. and as long as you don't act a fool, they're not going to really exactly. be burdened by you. But then that's not the way that a lot of black families raise their black kids exactly. because they've had historically little reason to just start off by respecting authority. Mm-hmm. And that's the issue inherent that, needs to be addressed that is being addressed and that hopefully we can move past so that Adam, when you someday, when you have kids, mm-hmm. maybe you can then start off by telling your, your son or your daughter, if you're at a party, you've done nothing wrong, but you know, there's stuff going on. Cops show up, you know, just remain calm and like, yeah. you'll be fine. Hopefully we get to that point. Um, but we've still got a long way to go quite clear, clearly. Yeah. We're, um, I don't even know if, I don't even know if things are going to be right by the time my kids are growing up um i genuinely think that this is going to be an issue um going to my grandkids uh, generation i you know i will say this because millennials we get shit on a lot yeah oh yeah (laughs) but this seems to be a little bit more important to us yeah overall than previous generations and i know like the hippie movement a lot of people like to like paint them as like free love Mm -hmm. you know everybody love everybody and whatever but Quite clearly, you know, they're older now. They're in positions of con- of authority, business, polit- politics, whatever. Yeah. And we still have a lot of the same problems. And maybe when we get older, maybe they will s- not still be there anyway. But Or maybe we will have progressed just enough. But I don't, I mean, I don't know. I'm not saying that we're better well, or worse. Well, when it comes to, like, getting rid of a situation, especially like this, you have to think about things that are taught. Because, I mean, racism's taught. Um you have one white kid, one black kid that are, you know, six years old and have grown up with each other. They don't know that or 
the white kid doesn't know he's technically supposed to hate the black guy or vice versa. That's taught. Um, and with that being said, it that basically if 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 that generation that you were just talking about um, still believes that, you know, white better than black or whatever you want to um, say, that was taught to people in our generation. And I think there are more people in our generation that um, see us all as just equal. But at the same time, I think there's a lot of people that are disguised that may act like or they may say like, you know, I'm here for the culture. I love black people, this, this and that. But when it comes down to making like big decisions or big hires or um, situations like that, they'll give the job to their white friend. Um, yeah. So, you know, I think we have to weed out those people. I just think it's a couple generations behind us. I think we're the ones that are kind of initiating the change, like really, really, really pushing um, some change. I think our kids are going to be the first ones to kind of get it, but I think it'll be our grandkids or maybe our great grandkids that actually put it into action and it just become like a social norm. Yeah. <clears throat> and I'd probably say this to like the listeners out there that are, um, you know, like stick to sports or whatever. Cause there have been times like when I, when I was a <laughs> fan where look, when it's dumbed, when it's dumbed down politics, like Republican versus Democrat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I don't want that in my sports conversations either. Yeah. Like if you voted for this person, I don't care. And I don't see how it applies to who's better Russell Westbrook or Chris Paul. Mm-hmm. I really don't see how that applies. So yes, keep meaningless conversations out of my sports centric conversation. But this is not a political issue. This is not like I would I would say it's not even a social issue. This mm-hmm. is just a human rights issue. This is a human issue. And so it affects all of us. And those those listeners or fans out there that are you know, like stick to sports, you're watching basketball. Basketball is played predominantly by black Americans. Exactly. And if you're going to sit there and only say, like, I only want to watch LeBron James dribble and shoot and dunk. I get that. Kind of, I, I get the the basic concept of I don't like when people who aren't educated on a particular topic talk about that mm-hmm. topic. Like, yeah, if if I had to talk about the election coming up, you would know in five seconds that yeah. I don't educate yeah. myself that much to each side, uh-huh. and it would I would sound like a fool. But LeBron James, Russell Westbrook, Chris Paul, all your favorite players, they're black, and so they while they have millions of dollars and can avoid some of the more daily on the street struggles Mm -hmm. that a lot of black Americans have to face every day, they're still subject to the same criticisms or um, put downs, whatever it may be as everybody, as every other black American. So if you're, if you're truly a sports fan, this is not a political issue. And I don't care if you're a Republican. I don't, I don't care if you're Democrat. This is a human issue. And I, I would probably tell you, Adam, that there are probably hundreds of Republican Trump votes in those peaceful protests because they yeah. understand like this is an issue that sub like that transcends, transcends politics. Politics, yeah. yeah. I mean, this is just a people issue. But um, the way I get around the uh, stick to sports topic is um, saying that I also cover culture, so that kind of covers me. Well, there you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that saves me right there is the fact that I cover um, culture as well. So this is like literally right up my alley. Um, but yeah, I've dealt with a lot of people that told me to stick to sports and all that. And, you know, over the years, I'm pretty, I think we can both agree. I'm pretty, um, opinionated and I speak my mind. I don't typically hold back when it comes to, uh, speak my mind, unless it's like a highly sensitive topic, like, um, politics. I try to stay away from politics. Obviously I think, I think right now the whole stick to stick to sports thing when it comes to like the presidential race and all that that's kind of just out the window because at this point of um trump's pre- um presidency presidency sorry it's all good. um i can't say words sometimes yeah, either it's, it's, having a it's hard tough man. time today <laughs> but at this point i think we all have an opinion on it uh so i think that's kind of negated right now but but yeah i do think it's important for um, sports personalities, it sucks because, you know, we have our profession and we can't talk about politics and stuff, but lawyers can, doctors can, coaches can, you know. Yeah. So it it sucks, but I do think that we kind of have to shy away from the constant political talk 
because it. Oh it, yeah, I, I certainly. Do. It definitely takes away from what we do. My respect for the profession that we have is just like at the end of the day, like we were journalists, mm-hmm. but when people consume our me- media and our content, they're doing it from an entertainment perspective. Exactly. And when you're seeking entertainment, you're seeking something that you enjoy. You don't want to have something that you don't really well, enjoy to be shoved into. We're it. an outlet. Sports is an outlet yeah. for people to get away from those conversations yeah. and and the stress of the real world. So for us to just kind of take them right back to that, mm-hmm. I definitely understand why they'd be irritated with that. Yeah. So like back before the dark times, before mm-hmm. like a a plague hit the earth, um, there was such a divisive president in the White House. Mm-hmm. Um, Back during normal times, like, yeah, I don't necessarily want to hear what President Bush or President Obama is thinking or doing when mm-hmm. I'm watching Sports Center because how does that apply to, to the what I'm highlights right I'm now. trying to watch? Exactly. But again, this transcends politics, which is why it's everywhere. And then also, um, I don't know if you um, know who Tony Jones is. He's a, he covers the jazz for The Athletic. I know the name. I don't follow yeah. him as much, but I do know the name. Yeah, he's a, he's a black man himself, mm-hmm. and he wrote this really cool piece. I think it was him uh, where he kind of said, thank God sports aren't going on right now because we don't have that healthy distraction. Yeah. Like, I want the healthy distraction. I yeah. like, I don't like watching the news and seeing stuff being burned, yeah. looted, uh, glass broken. And I, I, I read the entire Martin Luther King quote. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, I like Martin Luther King – well before it's ever like Trini to put out some bullet points little, yeah. to prove your point. Like mm-hmm. I know exactly what he's talking about when he says um, rioting is the language of the unheard. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I don't like seeing it every five seconds. Every, it just yeah. puts me in a certain type of mood where I'm like, man, I miss basketball. Yeah. So I, I want those distractions too. And those distractions will come and we'll all enjoy it. But too much, but Tony brought up a good point of like, Thank God it's not going on right now because now we're more hyper aware and focused on these very important human issues. And it needs to be. I, this needs to be nipped in the bud right now. Um, there needs to be some kind of justice. We've done this so many times. We've had so many protests. We've had so many, you know, two week periods where we were just going real hard on this, and then something distracts us, and it's like, okay, well, that's it for that conversation we just move on to sports or move on to whatever the next trending topic is yeah um but this specifically um i really hope that it's not just a trending topic and that it actually um moves and this is something that we're talking about even into when the basketball season jumps back into play yeah and like i I like this is kind of a weird thought i've kind of wrestled around with because Mm -hmm. this would have to transcend like collective bargaining agreements guys can technically get fired for this but really what's stopping like chris paul lebron james russell westbrook carmelo anthony like the the, the mount rushmore i mean carmelo anthony is washed but <laughs> he is a universally loved player yeah. who everybody in the league before during and after his time loves mm-hmm. so when he talks about something it holds a lot of water but when the mount rush like what's stopping the mount rushmore of the league from just saying there are these. There are so many of these problems in our country. I don't really want to play basketball right now. I want to. I want to actively take you know? away that entertainment distraction, so people can worry about what's important. Like, what's stopping them from doing that? Nothing. Um, nothing except that bring, status. That goes back to the CBA thing. Like, of course, they'd have to. They'd have to go go through a lot of different. Other than business roadblocks, really nothing. Um, and I think what's I think the What's closest cr- we got was when uh, what was his name Donald Stern or Sterling Sterling yeah, uh, the Clippers old yeah and, and the Clippers came out in all black that was very yeah that was that was like the next closest thing to what's going on right I now. I think Doc Rivers even asked the players because yeah. I was listening to a Ramona Showburn podcast about it. I think he asked the players, "Should we even play tonight?" We even that was play? a playoff game. Yeah. Yep. Um, How close were we to just having a forfeited game? What's crazy of, is yeah. you. You're talking about players that may or could just say, I don't want to play. Um, the one player that, that would do that is here in Oklahoma City, and that's Chris Paul. Yeah, Chris is the one that I think – I don't think he's going to. Don't get me wrong. I don't think Chris Paul is going to say I'm not playing basketball until this is all worked out. But, but if there was an NBA player to do it, I'd say Chris Paul, uh, Jimmy Butler. Um that's probably maybe Jalen Brown. He's been going real hard for this. I could see Jalen Brown doing it. He's 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 coming out to really be about that. 
but and um, like I don't I don't know if you know, but do not deface or try to loot J.R. Smith's car. He will beat your ass. J.R. Smith, <laughs> oh, golly, did you see that video? Yeah. Yes. So, and then he just um, openly talked about, yeah, I beat his ass. <laughs> I don't know if y'all saw that video, but somebody looted J.R. Smith's car and he beat the. Cr- oh my god, that was bad. I saw that someone quote tweeted it. And it was funny. Um, I wish I could take credit for this, but someone quote tweeted it was like, unfortunately for the rioter, there wasn't a free throw and seven seconds left on the game clock. Otherwise, J.R. Smith wouldn't have known what to do. (laughs) Oh, Oh my God. Oh, man. May 31st is a um, it's a bad time for J.R. Smith. Well, May 31st. Oh, well, tough. He'll be fine. That's tough. No, but he be fine because he's not playing basketball anymore either. He's just a normal guy. I wonder if like a lot of these players that are kind of like they can still play, you know, like Jamal Crawford or, uh, you know, J.R. Smith, Swaggy P. Just go hang out in Orlando. Yeah. Like, there are no rules right now. This is unprecedented. Like, hey, hey, Swaggy P, come on. We need a shooter. Just be there. What are you going to do? Say no. Say no. (laughs) I don't know if Swaggy can play anymore, though. Uh, He's he's also washed. Like, of those three, I would probably go Jamal, J.R., and then Swaggy. Jamal Crawford can play now for like the next ten years. And I don't put know why he's not playing. Points. I mean, he he can't shoot anymore. I would imagine he's still a solid. I would player. imagine that's probably a more of a choice than it's more of a yeah. if certain teams are giving him a contract. I'm I would probably assume he'd say yes, but I'm sure the teams that are offering him contracts, he's just like, eh, I don't, don't want to play go, for yeah. I don't want to go play for Phoenix. I don't want to go play for Oklahoma City. But uh, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Well, he's from Seattle. That's understandable. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, he is. Mm. I forgot about that. Yeah. Um, I guess one more thing for I. Well, actually, Adam, like, is there anything? Um, is there anything that's important to you that you're passionate about that you wanted to talk about dealing with the last week or so? Because, like, just to peel behind the curtain, I was going to talk about these things on this podcast. Um, originally I was just like, well, you know, I have my podcast on Wednesday with Chisholm. I'm sure we'll talk about it, but to be honest, I just thought it would, it would be a little disingenuous and just from a bad place. If two white guys or Madison and I, mm-hmm. who Chisholm and Madison both support everything yeah. that's been going on over the last week, of course, but in order to get the full perspective it, and the full voice, you have to have a black person on, like, there's just no getting around that. So I respect you, Adam, um, just from a professional standpoint. And I'm, you're, you and I are friends. So, mm-hmm. um, And then we also went on Sunday. So I just thought it was important to have that voice and that perspective. But if there's anything else that well, we've kind of missed, please. Um, first of all, I really do appreciate you um, just being woke during this whole whole period. You um, know I'm real sleepy right now. <laughs> 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 yeah, you've been <laughs> – You've been awake for a while now, so you may <laughs> want to, you know, take a nap for a few hours. But, but no, um, you've been really supportive, and I appreciate that. Um, but I think one thing that we have to continue to do, which you did this morning, which I also appreciate that, is supporting local black businesses. Um, you know, the only way that we'll be able to truly advance as a race past what we already have um, is building our businesses and taking our businesses uh, from being, you know, little small mom and pop um, businesses to large corporations. Um, most, if not, I ain't going to say all, but the vast majority of big businesses in America are owned by 70, 80 year old white men. Yeah. Um, which is fine, which is completely fine. I There are socioeconomic well, I mean, historical yeah, yeah, reasons for this. Yes. It's perfectly fine, but. There's no reason why we as a people um, have been here in the United States for 400 plus years at this point, and we don't have more pull um, in the corporate world. Um, so I think that's one of the most important things, um, along with the protesting, um, along with everything else we're doing. I think we have to continue to like build our businesses um, lift each other up, help each uh, ooh, help each other along, and uh, that's kind of what this um, Blackout Tuesday is. That's actually exactly what it is, um, promoting local black businesses. So, if everybody listening to this could just, just, just look. Literally, it, it's not hard to do. It's an easy Google search. Black businesses in wherever you live, o- 
um, OKC, Norman, Chicago, Dallas, Houston. It's it's very easy to do, and I guarantee there's something there's 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 something for everybody that's black owned. Yeah, if you don't clothes, shoes, um, goods, restaurants. Yeah. I mean, look, look. Who doesn't like who doesn't I'm, like black people food? That's it's what good. I was about to say. That's that. Now that's one thing that you know we have. One thing that you know we have is great food. We can cook. We can cook. That's one thing that you can always say the black folk got, and that is food. Yeah. So if you're not supporting a local black businesses or uh, business, I don't know what you're doing. I honestly don't, don't know what you're doing. Well, one of the things that um, the protest brought to light at 36 and Kelly that we were at was uh, the desire for a grocery store mm-hmm. in the area. Oh, yeah, that uptown grocery's been there for two years now, and uh, nothing is. Yeah, and they haven't moved you know, in. It's just there. When you were talking about earlier, um, this is probably like one of my favorite clips, interviews that Martin Luther King ever did, mm-hmm. because it really helped me understand. Mm-hmm. You know, even though I considered myself, you know, correct thinking, you know, there was still a lot that I didn't understand. And so when I saw this when I was like 14 or 15, it really made me like it blew my mind where he's being interviewed by um, he's being interviewed by a a TV agency. And they're talking about basically, um, do you have a problem with with basically telling people that if you want happiness, if you want money, then go work for it. Mm-hmm. Martin Luther King's like, no, like I'm all about pulling yourself up by your bootstraps and everything. But when you remember that we were enslaved for 300 years before we were free and it wasn't just like you're free, here are the means to be on equal footing with your white countrymen. Exactly. Um, you're free, but you're starting from square zero. Square zero. Whereas everybody in white America is hundreds of years. I was about to say, you guys got a 300 year head start. Yeah. <laughs> and, and really in a foreign land, because Africans aren't from America, mm-hmm. they're from Africa. Mm-hmm. And um, he's like, I'm all about picking yourself up by your bootstraps and working and being a productive member of society. But when you tell someone to pick yourself up by your bootstraps and you don't have boots in the first place, exactly like that's, yeah. that's where we're at a loss here. And I think, like as soon as I that went into my head, I was like, e- "Wow!" I yeah. never really thought of it that way. Yeah, that's um, that is one thing, and something that my cousin um, Miles that I just mentioned a little earlier have um, has been advocating for for God five years now. Mm-hmm. Um, the east side of Oklahoma City is the largest um, black community in the state of Oklahoma. Um, on top of North Tulsa, Lawton, any of those places, Dale City, Oklahoma, Eastside, Oklahoma City is the largest black community in Oklahoma, and it's a food desert. You're not going to find, I mean, you'll find the churches, you'll find McDonald's, you'll find Popeye's, you'll find all the stereotypical places that you would think black people would um, like to eat, but you're not going to find a chain restaurant anywhere on the east side. There is not one. There's not one chain restaurant on the east side there's not a walmart on the east side they put a sign up that says uptown grocery two years ago and haven't they they haven't moved forward with that they tore down the um grocery store on 23rd and mlk earlier this year um we have either like little bitty neighborhood grocery stores that are locally owned um, or we have nothing. We have fast food or we have nothing. We can't go and eat at a Chili's down the street from our house. Yeah. We have to drive all the way to where's that Chili's? The Bell Isle Walmart. Oh yeah. That's yeah. I mean, that's the closest one we have. If, that's if, an annoying drive. If we, uh, exactly. <laughs> if we want Buffalo Wild Wings, we have to drive to Midwest city or Northwest Expressway or Edmond. Um, and how about the people that are like 65, Plus or sorry, dad, sorry, sorry, he's, he's, he's inching up on 65. So I'll say 70 plus that can't just get out and drive 10, 15, 20 minutes out of the way just to um, have a nice dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, it would just be so much easier. It's kind of common sense to have restaurants in your community, but the East side, at least as long as I've been alive and I've been here for about to be 28 years now, we've never had a chain restaurant in our neighborhood and that's another huge problem that we're dealing with so you know again i say just 
please continue to support black businesses, um, business owners that, um, you know, have the means to bring chain restaurants or um, chain grocery stores to the east side or just black communities across the United States. Please do so because we need it. We're, you know, humans as well. We need our food as well. We need groceries as well. Please bring business to black communities. Exactly. And I think like I'll end it with this where, you know, the cool thing about America, um, historically speaking, like when we started in 1776 is, yes, it's a country. It's an earthly country. It's an earthly government. But the idea of America is what was truly unique at the time and is still, frankly, pretty unique is that the idea is everybody is born free and Mm -hmm. able to control their own destiny in any way they seem fit, see fit as long as it's not imposing upon someone else. Yeah. Um, if you truly want America to be great, you don't just want 80% of the population to be able to have all the means necessary to help make it great. You want to help, you want your entire population to be able to have a say in it. Yeah. Um, historically speaking, like I will, <laughs> I don't want to get too historically nerdy about this, but yeah. when um, during World War II, Germany um, fighting against the Russians, why why did the Russians why were they able to fight back the Germans? Well, because they let their women fight. Mm-hmm. Whereas Hitler said to half his population, "No, you guys need to stay home and just make babies." Huh. Like when like if you want yeah. your country to be great, you want to utilize your entire population. Include so that everybody. means that means listening. That means in, involving. That means doing what you can to help out as much as you can. And I want America to be great. (laughs) And the, and the whole point is we're constantly trying to get there. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, as long as people that, um, as long as people that are in charge are thinking and listening and okay with being uncomfortable because they're being thrown something that they don't fully understand because they're not black. I think as long, like, if you're uncomfortable, that's fine. There's no shame in that. Just be willing to listen, and then we can be better. Yeah, exactly. Um, Last thing I'm going to say is, I'm just going to say, everything, all this could have been avoided if the Colin Kaepernick situation would have been taken um, more seriously. Oh, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, and, and, and people would have... You know, instead of it just being a basically a poll question, do you think it's okay that Colin Kaepernick kneeled for the national anthem? Yes or no? Um, And actually dissected why he was doing that. um, Mm -hmm. I think we wouldn't I I don't think we'd be in the position that we're in right now if the country as a whole would have um, largely accepted his protest for what it really was. Yeah, unfortunately, these things take time. Yeah. Like, I think people, when they grow up going to school and they read about Rosa Parks, Martin Luther King, they all, I think you had this weird understanding that that all happened at the same time. Rosa Parks did the bus thing and got arrested in 1955. Mm-hmm. Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech was 1963? 64. 64? It was somewhere in there. So yeah. this it's, it's a long process. So, it yeah, yeah it would have been great if, we all kind of joined hands during the Colin Kaepernick thing, but we obviously, you know, you need that stage to get to the next stage and then the next stage, because after that was a lot of the early black lives matters yeah. movements. Cause that's when I was at OU uh-huh. when it all kind of started. OU had their SAE thing. Oh God. I forgot um, about that. 2015. Yeah. I believe is going that into the 2015 15? season. Yeah. Cause it was the, wow. it was the off season going into Baker Mayfield's first wow. year as quarterback. I don't think I realized I was that like young. I was in the middle of college. That was a year after I graduated from Golly. college. So I was like, like, it makes me feel old. Dab in the middle of my career right there. Um, but I, I'm glad you brought up Colin Kaepernick because I talked to you about this before mm-hmm. we uh, started recording. Um, a lot of people are sarcastically dunking on the 49ers Twitter account because they put out the black, all black picture mm-hmm. um, on Twitter in solidarity with the Blackout Tuesday movement going on. I get it. I get people dunking on them. Because it's funny to like, oh, you guys. Like now this is where, like yeah, now you want to stand you, up? Now you yeah. care. <laughs> well, I think it's important to make it make people aware that, um, because this kind of adds to the divisiveness of this, where you mm-hmm. become defensive. Um, you are not, and I hate to use this word, but you are not a slave to things that you have thought or said before. As long as you're continuing to think, 
and making informed decisions on what you've now experienced. So if that means you're completely pivoting from something you said when you were 30 or when you were 20, I just don't like, I don't like this environment of we need to shame people for God forbid changing their minds. And yes, the 49ers doing that might be based in marketing and money. Nine times out of 10, that's what it is. But, but, but even also kind of what you mentioned, even if it's not, a genuine thing it's still spreading the right message i don't really care what the actual owner thinks as long as they are spreading the message to the masses that we need to stand in solidarity with black folk yeah if, if goodness becomes profitable then cool exactly you i know, mean I, I don't care if all they're thinking about is money as long as the messages that they're trying to perpetuate are please be nice same thing with other <laughs> same thing with ou they did the same thing earlier and i saw a couple of my friends even um talking trash about OU and how they, you know, obviously they've not dealt with some of the racial problems the right way, especially this year. But, you know, OU is a huge, huge um, school, and it has a huge reach in the state of Oklahoma, and they sent that message out. I really wish that their intentions were good, but even if their intentions are not good, they still sent that message out and people saw it. Yeah, and remember, like, OU – San Francisco 49ers, these are organizations that are made up of hundreds, if not thousands of people. Mm -hmm. Not everybody believes the same thing. Exactly. So the Thunder, they just released a statement too. And I'm sure there's someone in the Thunder organization that doesn't necessarily agree with all this, but it doesn't matter what they think. They sent the message out. Exactly. And that's the important thing is just to shine a light on this is not a political issue. So you can be a Republican Uh and still be down with this human issue and be a good person just like you can be a democrat and look at this and say i hate all of it and be a bad person this is not a political issue this is just a human thing but um uh yeah adam well thanks for jumping on the podcast man no problem at all man we had a really good discussion um i guess uh, one more thing and i i do this all the time where i'm like one more thing and then we talk about four more things um (laughs) just quick some quick basketball bullet points Uh uh-huh because the big question following like around the Thunder is, you know, because their roster is a good little balance of like your older guys. Chris Paul just turned 35 a few weeks ago. <laughs> Old um, man. And a bunch of young and experienced guys. You would think that the time off would help them out as much because the young guys, it doesn't matter if they played three years ago or yesterday. They can just pick it right back up. Mm-hmm. Whereas Danilo Gallinari, Stephen Adams, especially Stephen Adams and Chris Paul, Having two, three months off of no physical contact probably do their bodies good. I would say Steven Adams more so because anytime, sure. anytime that he's not at 100% or close to 100%, he is not the same player. If he's at 80%, he's okay on defense. Yeah. Offense, he gives you nothing. But this will be great for Steven. Great I think Chris Steven. will be fine just because of the way he plays. And I think this will probably do Danilo pretty well because mm-hmm. they were actively load managing him on the second night of back-to-backs. Mm-hmm this entire season. And then anytime, you know, he rolls an ankle a little bit, you all kind of like everyone holds their breath. So I I would say that this will probably benefit the thunder, but it's so hard to say because everybody's going in blind. Well, the thunder historically this season, at least um, don't play well when they have a break. Yeah, they suck. They are either, they either lose or barely beat the Cavs. They barely beat the Cavs or the Pistons or yeah, it's, it's not pretty is what we're saying. (laughs) Um, But, I think this is different just because this hadn't written. This is more than just some time off. This is like almost I'm it's put by the time they start playing, this is like a whole off season. So it's just like they're starting a new season. I think um, with a training camp and um, these guys being able to kind of get back into a rhythm, it's going to do exactly that. I think Chris is going to be rested. I think Steven's going to finally be rested. I think, uh, Gallo, who seems to have lost a lot of weight, um, he ain't doing nothing. Be, yeah, <laughs> probably. Yeah, um, there's no bars to go to. That's why James Harden looks no, like he's in immaculate James shape. Looks, <laughs> James looks like a Greek god. He looks like good and bad at the same time. Well, his beard looks it's like bad. he's his hair is patchy. I think he's going bald. Yeah. I don't. I'm not sure, but no you know, getting, James. No one was able to get a haircut for a month, man. <laughs> look, look. It's, times are tough. James, if you if you hear this, I'm sure you don't. <laughs> but if you do, just go bald. It's time. Just rock the bald and the beard thing going yeah, it on. Yeah, worked Please. for Michael Jordan. It worked for Mike. It'll work for you. But, um, but yeah, I think uh, I think this break is gonna 
served them pretty well. I think everything's gonna be okay. Um, actually, Darius Baisley, I saw. Um, Are you at Skins League? He's last at Skins right? League. Yeah, I'm gonna actually start going to that probably next week just to see what's going on. I know Deontay Burton. Madison's did it last boyfriend year. was there. Corbin? Yeah, he's he playing. He was, I think I, I saw a little clip on her story. Um, it was just him, and I think he was helping up Darius Baisley, but like the video ended right as he was helping. I was like, oh, is God. that him on the floor with Darius? Well, like Massa Bear get that exclusive? Word from. Um, <laughs> Word in the street is that Darius was having a tough time against uh, quote unquote real Oklahoma ballers. So um, I have a couple friends that With that Thunder take fans in the crowd get yelling trash. That take a, you <laughs> know I'm serious. I got a couple friends that like really really take basketball seriously. Um, they didn't go to the NBA. They're really really good basketball players though, um, and I think we all can agree. You know, thinking back at like the old school. Um, Rucker Park days. Yeah. A lot of those street ball players are actually better than NBA players. They just well, didn't make it. Well, it's because they're playing in a different – if you got street ballers to play in an officiated in a, in, NBA in a, game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, because I was going to say, like, I would just assume – because Darius Baisley is very athletic. He's not a player that I describe as, like, a Hamadou Diallo where he thrives well, he, off of yeah. his athleticism. Darius thrives off of his basketball IQ. He's, he's very – he's, he's skillful. Yeah. yeah. And I would imagine if you're playing a pickup game with players that you're not – familiar with and you're not playing in a system you're just basically going out there and running basic stuff yeah Darius basically cannot utilize what he's actually great at there was a video I saw actually and it was exactly that it was the same thing we've seen pretty much the only thing we've seen from Darius Baisley you know him dribble spin move receiving the ball you know um right corner pump fake jab step pump fake jab step pump jab <laughs> Right hand baseline spin move, spin move crossover. Yeah. You know back. You know back up a little bit. And he'll bit. either find a cutter, hit it down yeah. the corner, or take a shot if he's. I got saw it. him try that at the Skins League, and that whoever I, I'm not sure. I that, think that shit won't fly. I think <laughs> it was Xavier Alexander. He used to play at uh, Midwest City back in the day. Okay, he plays I think overseas now. Um, Trey Alexander from Heritage Hall's um, uncle. Mm. I think that was him guarding him. But if that was. Um, if that was him, he he had Darius Baisley locked up. Um, Darius ended up getting the dunk, but it's because he gave up on defense. So, oh man! And apparently, he only had like he only had like thirteen, fourteen points in the game. So, um, I don't know if it was a case of Darius just not playing real hard because he knows he has an NBA season to you know worry about. He doesn't want to get hurt. Can you imagine if he if a player gets hurt in some pickup game before? That's what I've always been afraid of. Like, oh my god. It's like part of me wants to see like Shea and them in the Skins League. But how can what you if, get mad at them though? What if they t and they're young? You have yeah. to remember Darius Basley is nineteen. Is he even twenty yeah, yet? He's nineteen. Yeah, he's nineteen years old. So he's like a year, two years removed from high school. He wants the ball. Um, Chris Paul, I understand. He probably is like you know I'm, I don't want to play basketball anymore. I just want to you know sit yeah. down and chill out. He's enjoying <laughs> his break. But guys like Darius, guys like Shea, um, uh, Burton, Dort probably want to play some basketball right now so they're playing all the pickup they can but god forbid somebody yeah, get, get trey young down there too oh gosh because the hawks might not even might not even get invited to yeah tracy <laughs> trey season is over it needs to be over. trey just uh, yeah he just got uh, done with his second yeah, season i mean remember NBA. thunder fans the thing that i was talking about before the season kind of came to a hiatus we were all waiting for darius basically to come back because there was a noticeable drop in the thunder's defense mm-hmm and it's not because Darius Baisley is some defensive stalwart as a rookie, but a when, you, when, when you have to replace him with mm -hmm. Hamadou Diallo or Abdul Nader, and like the more minutes that those players have to be on the floor, your defensive numbers are going to slip. And like that was the thing that I was pointing is like we like we need to see Darius Baisley come back because he's clearly a much better option off the bench for Danilo Gallinari defensively. That's what I was about to say. I mean, and yeah, so. How does he react to having a lot of time off, but healthy after yeah. his injury? You know, you know, we will people, find out. People will see situations like that as, as, you know, well, he's not a great defensive player. It's not necessarily about you being a great defensive player. It's, it's about you not being horrible. Um, and, you know, teams have defensive schemes. For those that don't know, those that didn't play basketball and just watch it, there, there are defensive schemes that teams have. And when you – um, take out a piece of that scheme, even if he wasn't great, it throws everything. It throws the whole rhythm off. It yeah. literally will throw everything off. And that's why 
I think you're you're not the biggest Andre Robertson fan, but it's okay. <laughs> I think that's you know that's that's a large part of the reason why the that uh what season was that 20, 2017, 2018 with when he um, when he got hurt Mel, yeah like when he first yeah. got hurt I think that is the main reason why the Thunder did not um do yeah, what he, I he think is, they when he is did. healthy because they were on a roll I mean they were on a roll with him in the um um. During that thing. lineup, yeah, during that period, yeah, they had that winning streak, and it was going like up. clockwork. Literally, when, as soon as he went down, it was like a when snap. he when he is healthy, he is back in the day. Like he can be healthy right now, and I don't know if he'd be able yeah, to be I'm, that level anymore. Sure. But he was an elite, probably the best elite uh, perimeter defender perimeter in the defender, league. Yeah. The problem with him is is just the further along you get in the season, the further along you get into the postseason. If you're lucky enough. Because he's so one-sided, mm-hmm. it's easy to expose that. Yeah. Now, early on in his career, you had Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant, Serge Ibaka, Deion Waiters. You could hide. You can hide it his, even that much more because you can just simply outscore people. Yeah. My my big optimism with Darius Baisley is if they're able to get into the playoffs mm-hmm. and he's still kind of the same level of player, I have no doubt he's going to be exposed because opposing coaches are going to like identify that he's a rookie yeah. and that he makes simple mistakes because he's a rookie. Yeah. But – for the most part, he has not been athletically challenged against an opponent oh, this he's year. He has been athletically superior. He's not been <laughs> he's not been mentally challenged from uh-huh. like schemes or guys b- trying to be savvy. He's met pretty much every challenge, both mental and physical, and he's had his screw ups here and there. But he's a rookie, and I expect those. What he's able to do defensively is what gives me hope that this guy won't be just a good role player. I think he's going to be really good. And Darius I thought that when Mason's I saw him in summer, he's going to be a damn good NBA player. Yes. I have since I saw him. Um, than just some video of him in high school. He reminds me, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say he's gonna be as good as this guy, but his skill set reminds me a lot of Lamar Odom. He he Lamar, reminds Lamar size Odom. wise, skill wise, um, athleticism wise. He may be a little more athletic than Lamar was. I would say probably just for general speaking, like point forward. Like I yeah. see a lot of point yeah. forward in him. I wouldn't be surprised if. Year two, year three, Billy's like having him take the ball up the floor, especially if Chris Paul's gone. Yeah. Because I think well, Chris I, Paul I will don't, be gone in three years. I don't think <laughs> Shea's future is that of Russell Westbrook ball dominant point guard. Yeah. Like Shea's going to be point guard, but he's not going to be running the show the entire time. And mm-hmm. I think having a guy like Darius Baisley who can handle the ball and you can trust, understands angles, understands the geometry of the game and everybody moving around, you have two guys moving forward that can run that can f- facilitate the offense mm-hmm. and now I, I would probably say for the thunder moving forward because chris paul's not long for their for this world yeah. with the thunder is to find that third guy because we've seen how great a three ball handling lineup is lou dort is he a ball handler though <laughs> no he's, no he's not <laughs> now that doesn't mean he's just going to be like a one-sided player because yeah. he's been Fairly good defensively, he'll, fairly good offensively. He'll be a solid player. Yeah. I, I, if he just gets a, if he gets a jump shot, which the numbers were starting to slowly trend in that direction, yeah. from a very slow floor. <laughs> yeah, but he, they were starting to slowly trend that direction to where like there's hope for him too. I just don't know if he's a ball handler. This is the popular comparison for Lou Dort, and I don't want to um, sound redundant with this, but he 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 really really gives me Marcus Smart vibes. Um, a slightly less talented Marcus Smart. Size wise, yeah. think of the way he plays. He's kind there, of hard. There is just something. This cannot be quantified in some sexy NBA analytics. Yeah, no. but there is just something to be said. Like if you've played sports, you get this. But there's something to be said about Billy Donovan had to ask him in his first starts: go chase James Harden, go chase Dane Lillard, go chase um, who is the two way player. Yeah, go chase the these. G League guy. Go chase these All NBA guards around, and guess what? Lou Dort didn't get embarrassed. Yeah, no, he didn't and in get fact, he won his fair share of battles. And I'm like, that's a guy I can go to war with. It's because he works hard. Yeah. I mean, hard work. Hold on, let me let me take a moment of silence before <laughs> I give this Kevin Durant quote. <laughs> hard work beats talent when talent fails to work hard. That is. I, that's my, I, that's my irony right there. That's but. one of the best quotes because it's so true. It's so true. And if you have somebody that can that's really talented and they work hard, they're Michael Jordan or Kobe Bryant or yeah. LeBron James. That's what you end up with. 
Or yeah. if you're Kevin Durant, you think Shaq was just good because he was just big. Oh, let's, <laughs> let's, let's not go there because Shaq is a top 10 player all the time, in my opinion. All right, Adam. Well, I, I said thank you for jumping on the podcast like 30 minutes 30 ago. 30 minutes but, ago, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, thanks for jumping on, man. I appreciate it. No problem at all, man. Thanks for having me on. I'd be happy to get on anytime. And of course. And uh, Suave Report, like I said at the beginning, uh, SuaveReport.com. It's not just sports. It's uh, culture. Arts, culture and fashion. fashion. Culture and fashion. Sports, well, culture, fashion. Check it out. Uh, if you wanted to see a lot of the pictures, videos, and just at what Adam was kind of referring to at the beginning of the show, he wrote, he like he said, he had that piece written up. So check it out on thesuavereport.com. Follow them on Twitter. Follow Adam. What's your uh, Twitter handle? My Twitter is suavefrancisco underscore. Um, you'll probably uh, just type in suave and you'll see. And Adam with two Ds. And he's the yeah. Or just type in Adam with two Ds. Yeah. yeah and right it'll there. come up. You're, you're not going to find another Adam with two Ds. Well, Adam, thank you again, man. Appreciate it. No problem at all, man. Thanks for having me on.